0: Please be seated for our Bible readings.
1: The reading is taken from the book of Acts, chapter 10, beginning at verse 34. It can be found on page 138 in the New Testament section of the Church Bible. In this reading, Peter gives witness to the Roman centurion Cornelius, his household and all the believers present of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ for all people. Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John announced. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. How he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. We are witnesses to all that he did both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear. Not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God As witnesses, and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. The Gospel reading is taken from John, chapter 20, beginning at verse 1. It can be found on page 123 in the New Testament section of the Church Bible. In this reading, John records his visit with Mary Magdalene and Peter, to the empty tomb of Jesus Christ and what they saw that first Easter day. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went towards the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus's head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet, they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise 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 to you, O Christ.
0: Thank you, Gloria. Please be seated and let us pray. So, Lord, may my mouth speak wisdom and the meditation of my heart bring understanding that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher this morning to awaken our hearts, expand our minds, and shape our identity in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is the story of the first day. What the story of the first day reminds us about is this. It's the story of the first day tells us it's the reason we celebrate Christmas. The story of the first day is not like any day, but the central day in history when time is redefined. The story of the first day tells us that unlike the first seven days, it's the eighth day when God's new creation began. And the only hope we have that this life is not all that there is. What the story of the first day reminds us about is that it's the most important day for Christians. And the story of the first day tells us that Jesus is alive. And the significance of all that is that what the story of the first day reminds us is that without Easter, nobody would celebrate Christmas. What the story of the first day reminds us is that without Easter, time would have just continued as normal. What the story of the first day reminds us is that the eighth day would not have been born. And we live and we die. What the story of the first day reminds us is that without Easter, nobody would be a Christian. Why would you? What the story of the first day reminds us is that without Easter Jesus would still be dead. That is why the story of the first day as John put it is so significant for all of us. It's you see when it comes down to it Christianity is a historical faith. It's not primarily about this is how you should live your life. It's not about good advice. It's not about good ethics. It's about good news that says this is what Jesus Christ has done for you in history. And so this morning... And over these next few Sundays, what we're going to be looking at is we're going to be looking at some of these different characters, some of these people, ordinary people like you and me, men and women who met the risen Jesus and how he transformed their life. And as we we look at their lives, we'll see four pieces of evidence that prove beyond doubt that Jesus rose from the dead. We'll look at one of them this morning. The others we'll look at on other times. Some people needed two or three. Or all four pieces of evidence to fit them together. As we'll see this morning, one of them only needed one piece of evidence and that was enough for him. So let's go in and journey into the story of the first dare. And to do that, let's have a look at this, this picture that we see now. And let me see and ask you, what do you see What do you see? Pardon? No. You see a girl. Anyone else see the girl? Let's have a bit of audience participation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyone see anything different? What do you see, Judy? You see an old man and everything like that. You know, I'm not going to tell you if you see the girl or the old man what that tells you about your age. I'll just leave that there. Let's have a look at the next one. What do you see? A cat, yes. What's the cat doing? Ah, oh, you see, some of you think that they're walking uphill. Some of you think that he's walk, the cat's walking downhill. That tells you everything about whether you're an optimist or a pessimist. There we go. Let's go, and I'm not gonna tell you whether the cat's walking uphill, whether you're an optimist or a pessimist. What do you see? A peacock. Anyone see anything different? Anyone see anything different? Perhaps if I turned it round, you might. Anyone see the man? See, Rachel's just looked at her. I'm not going to tell you what that story tells you about your level of your IQ. Or what about this one? What do you see? So you see an old man. Some of you see an old man. Anyone see anything different? A horse, and who's on a horse, and what else do you see? Anyone see the bridge in the river? And the little girl? You see, each of those pictures we saw this, thanks Barry, we saw the same picture. But we saw the same picture differently. On that first day, the story of the first day reminds us that. They saw the same picture, but they saw the same picture differently. How do I know? Well, you see, in that Bible reading that we heard of the story of the first day, it says, Mary comes to the empty tomb, and she saw an empty tomb. And the Greek word there that's used for saw is the most common Greek word for sight. It means that she observed. She just came to the empty tomb, and she just saw the stone had been rolled away, and she just saw an empty tomb, and she ran and she ran and she went and got Peter and she went and got John John's the disciple who Jesus loved the other disciple in the story you can tell by this story as it goes on who's writing this story because they have a little race don't they Peter and John they have a little race to the tomb and it says the other disciple got there first and so he gets to the tomb and it says he saw Nothing more. It's the same Greek word, blepe. He just observed. And then Peter eventually catches up and he's, he's huffing and he's panting. Obviously, he's not as fit as John and he can't run as fast. And it says that he gets to the empty tomb and then he goes in and he saw an empty tomb and he saw the linen wrappings there. The linen wrappings that would have been used to, to wrap up A dead body. And all of a sudden, the Greek word there when Peter saw is the word theoreo. In other words, what's happening is not only is he out of breath, but his mind's starting to really spin. And he's starting to really think and really wonder and think, what on earth could have happened here? Because straight away, he's thinking of what we looked at two weeks ago, if you were here, the story of when Jesus commanded the dead man Lazarus to come out of the tomb. And when Lazarus came out of the tomb, basically, he had his grave clothes all on and Jesus said, unbind him. And so Peter is starting to think, well, hold on, Lazarus came out of a tomb and he was dead two weeks ago and he had his grave clothes on, but these grave clothes, they're neat and they're tidy. What's happening here? Why on earth could that have happened? And maybe he's starting to think and he's starting to think, well, maybe, you know, someone came and stole Jesus' body. But he's thinking, if they stole Jesus' body... Why would they take off all his grave clothes? Because the body would have, let's face it, smelt. It would have not been nice. So, why on earth would they have taken all the grave clothes off and just left them all neatly and tidily there? And then he suddenly started to think a bit more and he started to ponder a bit more and he started thinking, I know what's happened. You know, they would never tell me because I'd be the number one person that they'd all come looking for if anybody knew that somebody had stolen Jesus' body. Maybe some of our friends stole Jesus' body. And they didn't tell me because they didn't want to let me know on the secret because they knew that I'd be the first one to blab. And so he's, he's looking and he's saying, well, yeah, but I see these empty grave clothes here and why on earth would they disrespect Jesus' body like that? And then he's, he's saying, well, maybe Jesus just wasn't dead. You know, maybe he just wasn't, wasn't, wasn't dead and he just managed to get out of the tomb himself and he managed to and take off all the, all the grave clothes but then they'd be all ripped all over the place and these were all neatly and tidily. See, all neatly wrapped up, tidily folded up and oh, and he's thinking, this doesn't all make sense. How can this possibly be true? How can this work out that, that this has happened? Why is it all neat and tidy? You see, His mind spinning, he doesn't yet understand it all. But what he's getting to is this. You see, as Arthur Conan Doyle said through his great detective Sherlock Holmes, when you eliminate the impossible, whatever remains, however improbable, must be true. You see, Christianity isn't just a historical faith, it's actually reasoned faith. It never calls you to this leap in the dark of blind faith. It's reasoned faith. And then we come to John. You see, after John has waited for Peter to go in, it says that John got into the tomb. And he looked at the, these grave clothes that were there, and it says he saw And he believed. And it's a different Greek word. Once again, it's the word "horeo." It means to see and to just know that he just knew that those empty grave clothes meant just one thing, that Jesus had risen from the dead. didn't matter that he hadn't seen the risen Jesus yet. He just knew. You see, in that great definition of faith, faith is being certain of what we do not see. And so, this week as I was preparing this message, and last week, I went and sat in some of those pews that you're sat in this morning, and thought, I wonder as you're listening to this, what, what questions you might have, what, what things might be going through your mind. You see, some of you, you may have never sat in that pew before maybe visiting us or, or whatever or, or sometimes there's more people here when you've never sat in the pew and you've never really thought you know if this is true if this is true what changes would I need to have to make to my life to, to live it out or maybe you've sat in that pew and you've sat in that same pew for a number of times you sit in the same pew every week and you just suddenly think if this is true what changes would I need to have to make to my life Or maybe you might be watching this message online later. You might be someone from this church who's away on holiday. Or you might be watching it and you've never been here and you just live in another country. And you say, if this is true, what changes would I need to have to make to my life? You see, all of us are spiritually blind. That's what the Bible tells us. All of us are spiritually blind. In the, in the words of the Israeli historian Yuval Noah Harari, in the words of his, one of his most famous books that he's wrote over the last five years, Homo Deus. You know, we all think we can be God now. And we act like God, and we're not. You see, no one really searches after the true God. That's what the Bible reminds us. So yeah, we search after the mystical. We search after the spiritual. We search even after the divine. But we want to create God in our image. God who we can control. God who can meet our desires. And what the Christian faith reminds us about is that Christianity is not just a historical faith or a reasoned faith. It's actually a saving faith. It says, this is what Jesus Christ has done for you in history. That God, in his love, sent his son And he sent his son to die for us for our sin, our ability to live our lives without God. And he was buried in that cave. And then on the first day, God raised him from the dead. And if that is true, what changes would I need to make to my life to live it out? You see, there's a famous tightrope walker in the 19th century, called Charles Blondin. He was French. And he used to do these spectacular stunts where he used to take a large pole and he'd put this rope over places like Niagara Falls and he'd walk from one side to the other on the rope and back again. And the crowds would watch him and be absolutely amazed by him. And then what he'd do is he'd then start to do different things. You could say he started to show off a bit. One time it said he got halfway across decided to eat his lunch. One time it said on another occasion that he rode a bike across. Another time it said that what he did was he took a wheelbarrow like this. And he just wheelbarrowed across. And then he stopped at the end. And he said to the crowds... He said, what if I put a hundred kilograms of weight in this wheelbarrow? Could I still walk across the tightrope? The evidence was pretty convincing to the crowd. They all thought, oh yes, he could do it, there's no doubt about that. So he asked for a volunteer to sit in the wheelbarrow. None. None. Were forthcoming. You see, what happened on the story of the first day is that John went into the empty tomb and he got into the wheelbarrow because he saw what was there and he just knew and he was willing to entrust his life to Jesus Christ. Shall we pray? Risen Lord Jesus, as we look in the empty tomb, help us to see you. Risen Lord Jesus, as we look in the empty tomb, Help us to see and find you. Risen Lord Jesus, as we look in the empty tomb, help us to see and know you. Amidst our grave clothes of this empty world of sin and death, may we experience your risen life of fullness forever in Jesus name
1: Amen